Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. Malkovich! Move on now to the presidential race with three candidates running. The first is Tracy Flick. One thing that's important to know about me is that I'm an only child. The next candidate for student body president is Paul Metzler. I just don't think somebody would do something like that on purpose. I think you did it. And if you want to keep questioning me like this, I won't continue without my attorney present. I do not often speak with you and ask for things. But now I really must insist that you help me win the election tomorrow because I deserve it and Paul Metzler doesn't, as you well know. The final candidate, sophomore Tammy Metzler. I'm attracted to the person. It's just that all the people I've ever been attracted to happen to be girls. You should stop her. She's not qualified. So is this a moral situation or an ethical situation? When I win the presidency, that means you and I are going to be spending a lot of time together. <laughs> Cast your vote for Tracy Flick next week. You won't just be voting for me. You suck! You'll be voting for yourself. Who knew how high she would climb in life? I had to stop her. Paramount Pictures presents an MTV Films production. Order! Order! Starring Matthew Broderick, oh. Reese Witherspoon, what happened here, Are you okay, Mr. McAllister? I'm fine. On the road to greatness, never underestimate an overachiever. Looks like you could use a cupcake. Election. Cast your vote. But don't vote at all! All right. So we're, we're no, you, no, you about, go ahead. Uh, no, you okay. go ahead. Me? Me? All right. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to be uh, painted as... The uh, the Chris Klein of this this episode, like I because I, you you've told me off mic that you you still have some some strong thoughts on election, which we've talked about on a uh, another podcast that we won't name, but we we have had a conversation um, about a year or so ago on this one, and uh, I don't know if I have much more of a different take uh, other than um, I think Tracy Flick probably ruined Reese Witherspoon <laughs> forever for me. Uh, and not in the way that maybe most people would anticipate in that she played such a vile character that I just could never uh, see anything other than Tracy Flick. I just don't think she ever uh, did anything this interesting again. 
So uh, Election is always a little bit of a double-edged sword as far as when I rewatch it, which is every, I don't know, it's probably every, I don't know, four to five years, I think I give it another go. Um, and I'm just kind of troubled by the fact that uh, uh, Reese Witherspoon, as far as her acting career, has not been as impressive as what I would have thought uh, initially. I know she's very successful as a producer and other things, though. What about yourself? Eventually, eventually, I think through maybe hypnosis or something, we are going to discover what Reese Witherspoon did to you to to make you just hate her uh, so much. I thought I was complimenting <laughs> her, saying that she was so good that, that it's just been a crushing disappointment ever since. You know, I've enjoyed her in some movies after this. There were some movies after this where I where I thought she was overrated. I didn't like Wild at all. Um, and I didn't like her performance in Wild. Um, you know, very, very phony. Nothing like the performance here. Uh, and and is this her best performance? Probably, yeah. Off the top of my head, I think it's her best performance. But you know, you're. <laughs> she's very good in Pleasantville too, but that preceded yeah, election. Yeah, that's a good so, movie too. She's very good. Um, I think she holds that film together. Very good in Cruel Intentions uh, earlier <laughs> in our podcast, uh, <laughs> but. I was I was surprised that you were content to to kind of uh, Cookie's Fortune this one off uh, because I, f- I feel like this is a very integral movie uh, for 1999 for me and there there's a lot of stuff going on uh, contextually when this movie comes out there's a lot of stuff that goes on today that 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 you know that I was thinking about watching it again even even watching it like you know twice in the span of a year i find myself you know noticing stuff that i i had just never thought about before whether that's this relationship between tracy and her mother which is intentionally underplayed uh and and you know but but, but very specific uh in the scene that we see where she says that you know maybe you needed more posters uh, or m- this early scene between Tracy and the uh, and and McAllister's friend, the the one who's sleeping with her. Um, there's this very quick scene between the two of them, where he says that she's just going to be uh, lonely her whole life, and that might be the price she has to pay. And and you pay attention to that scene and you see just how differently her character is just in that one little tiny moment in the movie. That's the only time in the movie where she has like a lack of confidence, uh, you know, outwardly to people. Uh, and it's really, it's really surprising. And, and that plays up, but plays into, you know, the, the ending. Uh, and, and so I've always thought this was Alexander Payne's best film. And I really still hold uh, hold to that because it's so carefully constructed, and the the rest of his movies after this, even though they're even though they're good, they're kind of haphazard. Um, I you know I look at Sideways and I think he goes for some easy laughs in that movie, in a way that I don't think he would uh, as a director here or as a storyteller here. And yeah, I, that's, that's I wonder a, yeah. I wonder what the deal is with that. That is, that is a criticism that i uh i've sort of lobbed against his work uh, as well we did uh uh recently a a podcast uh on the grand gesture for uh, for about schmidt um 
and I thought some of the the gags there, and that's a film that I enjoy. I like, uh, you know, it's about Jack Nicholson basically trying to to break up his his daughter's impending marriage uh, because he doesn't approve of the uh, of the the guy that she's chosen. And of course, the way Payne introduces him is he's got this horrible, like sort of balding ponytail mullet haircut, and he's a used car salesman that uh, is trying to pitch our lead character on pyramid schemes and just, you know, he plays him up as mm-hmm. uh, an idiot and someone that <laughs> basically is his stupidity may be contagious. It's, it's almost like a uh, outbreak type movie um, for this wedding that's going to happen. Um, and you, you definitely see some of that threat. I, you know, Nebraska is a film that I really didn't like uh, that a lot of people went crazy for. Um, and that's probably the only big swing and a miss in his work for me. But yeah, I think that's a fair criticism. Even something like Sideways, which is my favorite. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, one of the gags is just a large nude man just yeah, you know, thrusting mm-hmm. his penis <laughs> up against a, a car window. So yeah, you, you can't probably get any easier as far as, you know, causing an audience to, to at least titter at just, you know, the uncomfortable nature of that joke. Um, but I mean, there, there's there's definitely a little bit of that an election. I mean, I, I mentioned that I was going to be the Chris Klein of this recording. I, I think there are some easy layups there. Uh, I think the, 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 you know, point that you are making though, is that the treatment of those characters, even when it's a, a stupid high school jock does feel far warmer than future work. Like the side characters are not there just to be pointed at and laughed at by our lead, which here I guess would be Matthew Broderick. I mean, it's his perspective. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't, I, I definitely don't think that any of the characters believe that this jock uh, can do any genuine good or, uh, you know, is the, is the right guy for the job to win this high school election. Uh, but I also don't think that he's just looked at uh, and it's just meant for our own amusement. Just his very existence is just meant to please us and make us feel better about our own lives because an election you know, pretty much everyone, every everyone's life is dragged down in some way, in some regard, except for Tracy Flick, the conqueror, <laughs> the best there is at this, uh, which goes back to why I just so admire that character. So I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out there. You know, I, I said that maybe I've had some misreadings of film where I'm just looking at them differently. Uh, do you think, do you find it odd? Do you think that I'm supposed to want to to crown Tracy Flick as this this champion as this ultimate go-getter that I'm meant to uh enjoy just the the sort of carnage that she leaves behind in her uh, pursuits to uh to glory I think the film sets her up as the typical overachiever that you that you want to hate because everyone can everyone can draw from their own experiences from with that but what's interesting to me upon all the times that I I've rewatched this and everything isn't it funny how little Tracy actually does that's actually wrong. The the worst thing she does here, the point where she makes a, a ethical and moral mistake uh, is when she tears down the posters in a fit of rage and covers it up. Now, compare that with the mistakes that McAllister is making or the mistakes that Dave Novotny, uh, which is the name of, of the uh, teacher, who, who is in love with Tracy at the beginning of the movie. Um, you know, compare those moral and ethical 
uh, you know, crosses with Tracy's. Isn't it funny how we walk away from this movie cheering McAllister on for throwing that that soda uh, at her at her limousine? Um, <laughs> there's a lot to be yeah. said for that. I mean, I, I the only thing I disagree with you on that is I, I feel like Tracy's mistake, uh, which I guess you know propels you know disaster for for all involved, is being caught. Um, jumping up and down with glee at her victory, but basically wanting to get a, an early word that yes, she has won yet another thing in her life, which also is what <laughs> causes the Broderick character to say, uh-huh. you know, enough is enough. <laughs> like this, no one deserves everything like this. This should be like a life lesson we impart. Uh, so I, I get why people would want that soda to be thrown <laughs> in her general direction because, yeah, if that's the worst thing that happens to her, um, or even if she had lost this high school election, she was still going to be fine. And I think there's a there's definitely a lot of that. Um, the way people approach, um, you know, things that they don't have the, any skin in the game. Uh, if someone is you know wealthy, or or someone, or even if you want to go to sports, if someone if a, a team has won previously. Uh, you just hear like sort of commonly said, if no one has a dog in the fight, they're like, well, I'd just like to see someone else win. And you know, what does it really matter? <laughs> you go to this high school election. And I think that's probably the most damning thing you can say about the, you know, the, the, the adults that are getting involved in these, these young adults lives is yeah, it's just a small thing, but it's clearly a very big thing <laughs> to it, Tracy flick. <laughs> it definitely leads McAllister down the wrong path because he yeah. reveals to her in that big scene they have together after when he's accusing her of ripping down the posters, he reveals that he basically blames her for, for Dave's firing. Even right. though, even though we've, we've seen Tracy's perspective and we know she didn't really do anything wrong, uh, you know, during that, you know what I mean? It wasn't her fault. Like she was really the victim there. Um, and, and, I can't wait till we get to our American Beauty. Discussion. Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> One of two movies that we're watching for this podcast that that ha- have an older guy uh, uh, sexually fantasizing about uh, a mm-hmm. young teenage uh, girl. So you know, I think the next one's going to be more awkward. <laughs> Something tells me it's going to be more awkward during American Beauty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. But getting back to my point. Um, uh, McAllister obviously blames Tracy for Dave's mistake. He obviously thinks that Tracy must have seduced Dave into that relationship or something like that. Um, And while that's understandable, we know as an audience that he's wrong. And so isn't it incredible that that base desire to see the front runner, to see the um <laughs> the overachiever to see them get taken down is so strong that we're still uh rooting for for Tracy to fail uh despite that and isn't it interesting uh <laughs> the parallels that you can draw from this story to so what i said when we originally recorded this about a year ago is i said this was a microcosmic you know, view of politics. And that's sort of how, that's why it's a political film is that you can, you're not supposed to just see it as a high school election. You're supposed to extrapolate these themes and, uh, and look at it in terms of the confines of the greater world. And that's what great art does. 
<laughs> and so think about the world of today and how many times in the last two years or so that you've seen a public figure <laughs> cross a moral or ethical line for what they thought was the greater good. And, you know, it, this movie is like a powerful cautionary tale. And, you know, for all its quirkiness, for all its little humor and everything, there's like some profound and deep uh, subtext going on. Yeah, I really like your uh, your time frame that you're giving there. Like, <laughs> think of something within the last couple of years. <laughs> I'm trying. Something. I'm trying to be very apolitical because I don't believe, and <laughs> yeah. I don't want to want this to be one of those podcasts. So, <laughs> okay, yeah, but sure. Um, I, <laughs> I, 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 even when I was saying like, oh, like a sports team, like the New England Patriots, for example, uh, people you know hate them because they win so often or they're you know competitive year in year out. Uh, yeah, it's not a bridge too far to uh, say like uh, the Clintons. Another mm-hmm. one, in mm-hmm. particular, Hillary Clinton, fair, as someone fair. that has, uh, you know, she she's won too much, or she you know isn't enough enough. Basically, just get out of her face. Um, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying that's a justifiable reason to 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 swing the other way or just roll the dice with another alternative. But uh, to that point, what I always really liked about this film is that, you know, Tracy Flick is the correct choice in in this high school election as far as being the only one that cares about doing the thing that she says she's going to do and seems kind mm-hmm, of appalled mm-hmm. that she's having to you know face off against uh you know the the dumb jock Chris Klein a role he's sort of meant to to play um and then the the sister character who you know, is is the anarchist is is the Joker, who's, who's saying that she wants to burn it all down. Which, of course, to high school students and I guess maybe even to uh, adults voting for a presidential election, there uh-huh. is some appeal to that. To someone saying this is totally broken, uh, and let's just sort of uh, let's just bask in the the idiocy of the people uh, that came before us. And how they accomplish nothing, and I'm just going to go a completely different direction. Let's just change it up. She represents, uh, I think, third party candidates, and and yeah. so I was talking about context of when this was made too, and I think that's important to talk about as well because we haven't talked about that a whole lot during this podcast. But so this movie comes out around the same time as the ad nauseum of the uh, Clinton uh, Lewinsky scandal is happening. Uh, that's basically the number one news story of 1999. And so, uh, again, you see, you know, a person crossing a moral and ethical line uh, and not really and not really sure when they've lost their way, uh, which I think is a fair, you know, assessment of that. Um, and, and yeah, I think I think I think the sister represents the sort of, yeah, the third party, uh, you, you know, reform kind of candidate. Uh, and so in the previous presidential elections that happened before uh this movie came out and this book w- was written uh the the third party support was the biggest it had ever been so i, I definitely think that played into tom parada's thinking so go ahead i'm sorry you can keep going <laughs> no I, I i wanted to you know hear your take on uh ross perot i want to <laughs> <laughs> I was too young yeah. to remember, honestly. Yeah, so. <laughs> I mean, I just you know, I, I just remember like a you know a small, uh, 
was he from Texas? Was he Texas man? I felt like he was. Um, yeah, basically, probably what I'm remembering from is probably whatever whoever played him on SNL. Um, he is from Texas. Yes. All right, got that at least. Uh, and I think he was small, but uh, I, I, I said this on our, our conversation from about a year ago that um, it, when this came out, and I was I was in high school, uh, the way it was advertised um, felt like it, it had the uh, I guess the probably fairly brief sort of MTV Films Association that they were trying to brand it. So a lot of the commercials were all over that channel. And I thought that it was just kind of just too much stylistically. I remember those commercials in particular really emphasized, uh, I guess we won't call them the highlights, like the beasting with Matthew Broderick. Um, and the, uh, you have sort of like the, the ceiling shot with Chris Klein, where mm-hmm. he's like, you know, the voiceover talking about, uh, basically chicks he wants to bang and, uh, and very earnestly. I mean, it's very funny. Uh, but I, I remember having no interest in this as a teenager, just feeling, all right, uh, you know, I don't uh, enough of that. I don't, I don't need <laughs> a bunch of Hollywood adults basically like making fun of my generation or whatever in this, this sort of extreme fashion, which is uh, totally out of touch with reality. So I don't, I don't know when I caught back up with it, but it certainly wasn't theatrical. Uh, at some point on video, I finally, uh, finally got around to watching it and, uh, yeah, I was I was extremely off base with that because I I thought this was basically just going to be uh, sort of like a uh, Grand Torino moment of some older filmmaker saying what a bunch of stupid kids uh, and didn't realize um, <laughs> as you've mentioned how much the adults here um, trying to play these kids games like how far they would go how much they would get caught up in it. Tracy, you're a very intelligent girl. You have a lot of admirable qualities. But one day maybe you'll learn that being smart and doing whatever you need to do to get ahead, and yes, stepping on other people to get there, well, there's a whole lot more to life than that. And in the end, you're only cheating yourself. Why are you lecturing me? This isn't the time or the place to get into it. But there is, for just one example, a certain former colleague of mine who made a very big mistake, a life mistake. Now, I think the lesson here is that old or young, we all make mistakes. And we have to learn that our actions, all of them, can carry serious consequences. Mm -hmm. I don't know what you're referring to, but maybe if certain older, wiser people hadn't acted like such little babies and gotten so mushy, then everything would be okay. I agree. And I also think that certain young and naive people need to thank their lucky stars and be very, very grateful that the entire school didn't find out about certain indiscretions that could have ruined their reputations and their chances to win certain elections. And I think certain older people, like you and your colleague, shouldn't be leching after their students, especially when some of them can't even get their own wives pregnant. And they certainly shouldn't be making slanderous accusations, especially when certain young, naive people's mothers are paralegal secretaries at the city's biggest law firm and have won many successful lawsuits. And if you want to keep questioning me like this, I won't continue without my attorney present. I think all of the, I guess, the candidates here actually come across as likable. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. Flick is the one people would... Not, but I think the other two certainly are, are sort of painted as, uh, you know sort of genuine 
teenagers, I guess. You know, genuine like you would probably know someone very much like uh, that particular brother and sister pair because they are, you know, the the opposites. You have like the the black sheep and then the you know the the, the prom king. Um, and I, I, that's going back to what I really dig about it was that I feel like Payne probably had some easier gags to to throw out there, uh, but for the most part, uh, the kids involved in the election. Um, even Flick, even that scene you mentioned where she tears down the posters and she's about to be caught. Uh, I still actually feel bad for her. Mm-hmm. I feel bad that she's about to be caught. I feel like, you know, this this means so much to her. <laughs> and she's had this abuse of power. This this guy who's supposed to be, you know, basically just running the election, just counting the votes, is trying to steal this from her. That I, I feel it's a shame that she's, you know, she's going to get caught on this, like, that one action is going to cast her as the villain that the, the teacher that the Broderick character is like building her up to be in his own mind. Uh, but then of course you have the, as I mentioned, the black sheep who just sees this as another, like this is basically just (laughs) staying on brand. Hers taking credit for this. Um, And, and, you know, like he, uh, he probably McAllister probably wishes that Tracy had been branded a, a slut. Uh, because of her relationship with, with Dave, um, you know, well, like what an awful feeling to have towards a kid. <laughs> and and the, the the quick little moment that I remember after she tears down the, down the posters is, is when she's in the car and she is like right up against the steering wheel looking like Janet Lee in Psycho. Uh, like she's just done this incredible like like she's just murdered a person or whatever. Uh, I just think that's played incredibly. Um, and. This is so much stronger for me than the rest of Payne's filmography that it always gives me pause. And you brought up that ceiling shot with Chris Klein. That whole sequence that begins with Matthew Broderick walking out of his house and looking up at the you know the sky, looking up towards God, and, and the camera pulling back, and then and then you look at when the camera pulls back and you can see how they've had to build up those sets so that they could accomplish that shot. And it's so funny to me that the rest of Alexander Payne's filmography doesn't feel, uh, it's like you, you would never guess that that, that, that that was the same director. And so I wonder what, what go, what was going on there? (laughs) Look, Ben, you get George Clooney uh, (laughs) running down the street and flip flops and Hawaii you don't need all that horse shit. Yeah, you just just point in his general direction, and it's beautiful. It's great. So I don't you, know cl- what you clearly about. have not seen Downsizing yet, and I recommend that you do n- that. You never see it. <laughs> I actually have seen Downsizing, what? and uh, yeah, I uh, how did I catch up on it? I think I did a uh, <laughs> yeah yeah I, I did a free uh, trial uh, and of Netflix the the DVD thing, but they you know every six months they're begging me to come back, and I. I take them up for a month. Uh, Netflix up- DVDs. It'll never take off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not now, uh, nor would they want it to, um, this will pain you even more. I, uh, as my two discs to try out there, which it still took me like two weeks to get around to, uh, I, uh, I had downsizing queued up and, uh, then, um, Woody Allen's last joint was Kate Winslet. Wonder wheel. Is that the name of it? You can watch it for free on Amazon prime. Well, at the time, I couldn't been now, but you know, uh, I still haven't though. Uh, but I do have it on my queue. Uh, that disc came broken, um, mm-hmm. so I couldn't watch that. So I did watch Downsizing, and 
it's kind of an interesting little disaster <laughs> of I, a movie. I, I wouldn't even go that far. I hated it so much. Um, I didn't. I didn't hate it. I. I. I was. I was. I, I was paying attention the entire time, and I, I thought there there were definitely some uh, turns that the, the story took that I thought like, huh, well that that is that is a way to go <laughs> that I didn't didn't agree with. But uh, I don't know. There were there was some stuff I liked, but it, it, it talked about a huge miss opportunity. I still liked it better in Nebraska. How's that internet? I really, really detest in Nebraska. The the whole thing um, falls apart for me when the uh, peg-legged political dissident from North Vietnam uh, with the broken English, when she comes in, I think it all falls apart right there. And I, I don't know where the, you know, earth-saving ambitions come from. <laughs> um, it just seems, it seems like a real real sad case of of a screenwriter just having these bizarre uh noble ambitions for for their work um i didn't know what did he think he was he was making there matt damon's gonna be a little person and then everyone's gonna want gonna see his environmental message or whatever and it's just gonna really move them or to the well it was very it was a very, i can never get over um the the i mean it's the second half of the film uh where and it, it's in the trailer where kristen wick backs out of downsizing going small with him uh and then we we cut ahead some months or whatever where he's finalizing the divorce and suddenly he's like a poor man in this small world like he was gonna be living like a god uh but then because he gets divorced um now suddenly that's i I don't know he went from a like a multi-millionaire to now he's like a blue collar small man and uh i i was prepared just to see a rich tiny matt damon uh get his groove back that was what (laughs) that was what i wanted i just wanted to see him just you know uh just trying out everything he can sexually and i think the way a new, new life i think the way to save it my pitch would have been that he has to try and go back and live in the big world with, you know, his wife who couldn't do it. You know what I mean? That would be very funny to me. No, no um, that's incredibly depressing. What is that? That's very uncomfortable. It would no. be hysterical. Oh. They get a cat <laughs> no. and he has to, you know, he, he, gets, he almost gets killed by the cat. It would be very funny. It'd be like Toy Story, but with Matt Damon as a little person. Um, and this is me in like the Tim Robbins player uh, <laughs> interview where I'd be describing um, you know, my pitch, uh, but yeah. Okay. Downsizing is horrible, but where were we going with that? Um, you were talking about perfectionists and overachievers and people are always on top. And weirdly enough, I was watching a documentary on Netflix. Uh, it's called the best, the best worst thing that ever could have happened. And I didn't watch it on Netflix, but it is on Netflix and it's about the making of a Broadway musical called Merrily We Roll Along. So I know this is subject matter you're going to really respond to, Michael Dennison. Oh, yeah. But yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's about how uh, Stephen Sondheim, the composer, and Harold Prince, the director, who, who's like the, like the biggest director uh, in the theater world uh, then and now. Um, basically, they were on a string of hits and they got to a point where everyone in the New York theater world were basically rooting for them to fail. Uh, and, and so it was very ironic that I would watch a very similarly themed uh, kind of thing 
Um, I think I think that's what they're after here with election. I I, th- I really do think that's the underlying meaning is that our hatred of overachievers and everything ultimately does us in rather, rather than them. Yeah. I've always found it strange that, uh, I mean, anytime you can, if you want to keep it in the movie realm, uh, you know, like Oscar season where, uh, uh, a film that people loved in October, you know, suddenly they're like getting really angry Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. other people or in, you know, the case of award season, like usually critics or their, their peers, also really like something that they liked upon first watch and they start to treat it as if, Oh, I'm tired of hearing about this thing. Now there's gotta be something new and it's perfectly reasonable as a lover of film or books or music, whatever the, where you always want to be seeking that, uh, that new fix. You want to, you want to find something else to enjoy. Uh, as a consumer, I get it. Uh, I, I have never understood when it comes to awards where you feel like, uh, something can't be liked that much. Like, like these people have done nothing to you unless your uh your husband or your your wife or uncle or somebody is involved in the industry and you're just rooting for them because it's gonna you know help them financially if they they win an Oscar or something. But otherwise, I've I've never really never really got the uh, the treating art uh, like a sports team type thing. But it's it's very similar as for you know something uh, comes up like I don't know it could be Titanic could be. La La Land, you know, anything where it just seems to be something that a lot of people really liked. Uh, and then it reaches that bowling point where, uh, as you said, it's no longer cool. You know, it's it just it's just over with. And um, I, I do think it, people reveal themselves to be very, very ugly in that regard. And they seem to, especially in the social media setting, they seem to really like ugliness uh, seems to increase people's popularity <laughs> online <laughs> you, you gain more followers by showing your ass more whereas you know this used to be something that you know you would get drunk and uh cuss somebody at a party and then you would feel really bad the next day or you you know you would kind of go in your social circle and be like yeah you know excuse me i had too much to drink you know that i apologize and people would just be like, i have okay, i have enough. no idea what you're talking about michael Dennis. of course not you never would mr benzuk uh but now that that type of behavior it's interesting, like that, and to bring it back to election, let's just say you know this didn't come out in 1999, and you know obviously it can't be Reese Witherspoon. Um, I guess it could still be Matthew Broderick, but um, it comes out now uh, in this climate. Do you think it has the same reaction, or 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 do you think there's a different reading of it, or or does the message get muddled coming out in 2018? Man, I think everything gets muddled uh, in 2018. Um, you know, if it's not a Jurassic Park sequel or <laughs> or a Star Wars or, or a comic book or, you know, or a horror movie from the guy from The Office, you know what I mean? It's like it just sort of drifts into the noise and no one ever, it never really punctures that conversation. I think, you know, we lost that communal feeling of going to a movie with people and experiencing it, you know, in mass that way everyone kind of experiences experiences things you know very in a very diluted uh you know spread out kind of fashion now where you're kind of watching something and you're not really sure if it, if it's had the impact on others that uh that that it's had on you um positively or negatively you're just kind of we're all in our own little silos 
<laughs> Sometimes though, that, that there is something beneficial to that because it's like you know, when I when I approached uh, downsizing, um, you know, I, I'm approaching it like, well, <laughs> everyone, including Alexander Payne's relatives, hated this piece of shit. <laughs> like, you know, what atrocity has he committed upon the world? Uh, as opposed to you know, it just being a you know a bad movie. Um, but that, that's interesting because we certainly have all the tools as film fans to to participate in a global conversation. Um, but I, I find that the conversation usually gets very distracted off the work itself and becomes this entirely other thing that people graft onto and even refuting it is contributing to, you know, the noise of that conversation. So I, I, I think with election, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think the focus would have been as much on, um, you know, Tracy flick, and the the Matthew Broderick's his actions towards her, I think I think it would have gotten far more muddled with the uh, the affair uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and the, the teacher. And I, I think that there would have been some criticism that that was uh, more background material for uh, Matthew Broderick to play off of. Why you know, why, the, why is Jim McAllister the the lead uh, character yes, in this exactly. story? You know exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Should have been about how Tracy Flick overcame him and, you know, but but it's a less effective message that way, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, uh, I feel like that's what, uh, that's what sells tickets. That's what, uh, promotes tweets now. It doesn't doesn't sell tickets, but it does promote tweets. You're, you're right on that. (laughs) On that note, you can follow us on Twitter at 99 for 99. Uh, we don't ever use the account. <laughs> but if you mention it, uh, I think I'll, I think I'll still get a notification, so I should be able to respond. The, but uh, the next not. person that that tweets to ninety nine from ninety nine, we will read it on air. There you go. Sure. Uh, speaking of which, Ben, uh, what are we talking about next time? I think we promoted uh, this on the last one. Yeah, it's an eighties eighties uh, film star who gets um, fiercely antagonized by a. Uh, very intense antagonist in this movie. I would love to, uh, you know, in the old days of like just scrolling across like your cable like description, like <laughs> for that to be <laughs> pushing ten, how they sold it to me. Eighties film star gets fiercely antagonized by the antagonist. So, uh, yeah, join us uh, for that one. And I'm actually kind of excited to talk about this one with you. Me too. Um, me too. Well, that that means that this is the only podcast you'll hear in 2018 where there are two people really excited to have a conversation about pushing 10. But that's what we're providing for you on uh, 99 from 99. Thank you for listening. I mean, when I think about my new life and all the exciting things I'm doing, and then I think about what her life must be like, probably still getting up at 5 in the morning to pursue her pathetic little dreams, it just makes me sad. I mean, where is she really trying to get to anyway? And what is she doing in that limo? Who the fuck does she think she is?